Hey, greetings, everyone. Lieutenant Colonel Alan West. Welcome to the Steadfast and Law podcast. And one of the things we want to do is look at some of these critical congressional races all across the United States of America. And without a doubt, we know that the left has really been focusing down south. And one of the states that they are focusing on is the state of North Carolina. North Carolina is very near and dear to my heart. I spent five years being assigned in the military there. And we're going to have a discussion with Sandy Smith. Sandy Smith is the GOP nominee for North Carolina Congressional District Number 1. Sandy is a successful business executive who has started businesses, created jobs, and worked her way up the hard way. Sandy has done so in her professional experience in agriculture, construction, and spinal biomechanics, from managing to negotiating to training and development. Sandy knows firsthand what it takes to start and run a business, balance the books, and make a payroll, something that most people in the United States Congress have no idea how to do that. Sandy's family has served in the Air Force, Army, Navy, and Marines. She is a proud military mother as her oldest honorably served as a United States Marine. She knows what it is like to have a family member deployed overseas and not home for the holidays. Sandy will stand up and fight for our men and women who put on a uniform to defend our nation. And most recently, Sandy volunteered with her church to help with the Farmers to Family program spearheaded by the Trump administration. Over a four-week period, she distributed 4,800 boxes of food to families in her community. Sandy also started a nonprofit youth organization which was structured so that any child who wanted to participate could, regardless of their family's financial situation. This is her second time running for North Carolina Congressional District 1, and she made history in 2020 by a 25-point swing of that district toward Republicans. This is now an open seat, as the previous congressman, G.K. Butterfield, with whom I served in Congress. Glad he's gone. He's retired. So, Sandy, welcome to the Steadfast and Law podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, tell us a little bit about North Carolina Congressional District 1. What's the area that it encompasses? It is 19 fantastic North Carolina counties. It goes from about midway down the state on I-95 in Wilson County, shoots up to the Virginia border, swings over, grabs Vance County, then shoots back across the Virginia border towards Gates County, swings down, picks up some of the finger counties towards the coast, and then back down through Greenville and up through uh, Rocky Mount. So Boy, it's you got district. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, I don't know how many square miles, but quite a few. What are the major urban population centers in uh in the I know Rocky Mount, Greenville, that's a couple. Any other major population centers in the district? Yes, that would be like you said Greenville, Rocky Mount, Wilson and uh, Elizabeth City. Oh, yeah, I know it very well. So what inspired you? I mean, because you've got all of this experience in the private sector, what inspired you to step out on faith and run for this congressional district back in 2020? 
Well, I, like a lot of Americans, I was just getting frustrated with, with what we were seeing up in Washington with these career politicians that were not truly working for the people. And I'm a firm believer, if you want something done, you've got to be willing to uh, step up and, and take action. And that's exactly what I did. So how has this district changed through redistricting from 2020 to now? Um, it actually went from being a D30 district. And then um, I swung at the 25 points. It made it a D7 district. And then with redistricting, it's now a D2 toss-up district. It's actually leaning towards the right because there's a lot more Republican counties in this district than mm -hmm. before. Well, great job. And, and that's why it's so important that we have the, uh, the control of the uh, state legislature there, House and Senate in North Carolina. So when you look at this district, uh, tell us a little bit about your opponent, because this is now an open seat. It is an open seat. And my opponent has been uh, handpicked um, as the replacement for G.K. Butterfield. He is a career politician. Mm -hmm. Um, he, he did serve our military, and I, I, I uh, thank him for his service, um, but he has never worked in the private sector and understands what people really go through. He has been a career politician uh, for almost two decades now, and it's time we send somebody who knows how to run a business, knows what it's like to struggle as a, a, as a single mom at one point, and right now we have folks in our district that are struggling to put food on the table. We've got skyrocketing gas prices across the country, even here in North Carolina. Now, in my district here in the in the first, they're artificially low temporarily, and we we are starting to see them creep back up, and they will go they will go through the roof come November because right now uh, they're keeping them low through the strategic oil reserve, which they're draining and making us uh, uh, our country vulnerable. Yeah, I mean, we have gone from being energy independent to energy dependent, and the whole purpose of the Strategic Petroleum Reserve was for emergency situations. It was not supposed to back up a failure in energy security policies. And when you look right now, uh, the OPEC plus nations are going to be meeting here within the next day or two. And they're talking about 2 million barrels, you know, cutting short. So you had the Biden administration that went over begging hat in hand to the uh, to the Saudi prince. And I guess he kind of got a certain finger. I wonder which finger the Saudi <laughs> prince gave to him. But Saudi Arabia is talking about cutting production by a million and the other countries another million. So how does that affect because you've got some rural areas that are in your district. How does that affect the farmers and, you know, their ability to go out there and do what is necessary in taking care of their fields? And also, what have we seen with the price of fertilizer in your area? Well, first of all, I'm a farmer, so I'm experiencing firsthand uh, the impacts of the Biden administration's energy policies. We have farmers here in our district that are struggling to put uh, fuel in their machines. And we have them that are struggling to find fertilizer. And when they can find it, it is, it's like four times, five times the amount they normally uh, pay for this. Uh, the other thing, we have farmers really making a hard decision on whether or not they're going to actually produce. And let me say this. If our farmers do not produce, we don't have food. And that is a huge, huge concern. And, you know, if you have a scarcity of food, then, of course, the prices go up without a doubt. And so... We hear people talking about the, the, the top of the ticket issue is the inflation and the economy. What are the top three issues for your constituents there in North Carolina Congressional District Number 1? 
So we have several different um, issues that are very important to the folks here in first, the first district. That is uh, inflation, food prices, gas prices. Uh, the second thing is the open border. We are seeing fentanyl flow over by the the truckloads here and coming to our community here in the first district and killing our, our, our families. Mm-hmm. It is the number one killer of young people, 18 to 42. I mean, this is a national emergency and we need to steal our southern border. And I'm hearing that from a lot of folks. Uh, they're concerned about jobs. I mean, if they want to protect their Second Amendment. We have some folks that are concerned about uh, the uh, life issue, and but that's more of the Democrats pushing that because they have nothing to run on. They have no policies, no solutions. All of the pain that we are suffering as Americans is 100% self-inflicted by the Biden administration. And you asked me about my opponent. He picks party o- over people. He votes time and time again when he does vote w- to go with the party rather than provide for the people he's supposed to be representing. You know, I live down here in Texas, and we are on the front line of this failure of the constitutional duty that the Biden administration, the federal government is supposed to have in protecting our sovereignty. And you're right, the second and third order effects that we see in other states with the fentanyl, with illegals coming into your area, uh, it's just absolutely appalling. So I also want to talk to you because I think there's another issue that it was so important in the Virginia election, which you're, you're right there next to Virginia, uh, last November, and that's the education issue. Tell me about how you see, you know, the, the schools in your district and all of this cultural Marxism and critical race theory. And another thing that really concerns me is this, you know, gender dysphoria push, you know, into our schools. What are you seeing in the schools in congressional district number one? Well, the folks here in the first district are extremely angry about what's being pushed in the classrooms here in the first district. We have the CRT that's being being pushed, but more importantly, they are pushing this gender uh, sexualization of our children. A matter of fact, my opponent voted against the Parents' Bill of Rights Act because he feels it is totally okay to sexualize our kindergartners through third graders. I'm sorry, we have kids that cannot read, write, or do basic math trying to graduate from high school. That's what we need to be focusing on, not not what gender they feel like that moment. And we also have an, um, the, Medi- the School of Medicine, or excuse me, the ECU is pushing some of this gender uh, study stuff um, and focusing on our Title I schools. Mm-hmm. You know, so. I, I think that one of the great things, because obviously, is he a your your opponent is he in the state house or state senate right now? Well, he he has actually served in both uh, both chambers, but yeah. currently he's a state senator who only shows up fifty three percent of the time. When you are elected to office, your job is to show up and work every single day, not just when it's convenient. Especially and, if the taxpayers are paying. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, look at Nancy Pelosi. She has people in her in her in the Democrat side that are over in France voting remotely on issues here in in in, uh, in the state in the in, the, uh, in congress that's yeah it's pretty amazing it, it is unacceptable but especially since joe biden came out and said the pandemic is over so i don't understand why they still are voting remotely and all these other shenanigans you know 
North Carolina, as I said, I was stationed there five years in the military. It's such an incredibly important uh, military, you know, platform base, being it at Fort Bragg, being at Seymour Johnson, uh, being at also Camp Lejeune and, and the strategic importance. You know, you have a daughter that served in the United States Marine Corps. You understand what is going on. I'd like to know, would you be willing to stand up and make sure that if legislation came about that will allow those members that were discharged because of the unconstitutional and unethical and immoral vaccine mandates against our military, if you will support that legislation, allow them to come back at their rank that they had and allow them to get their pay and benefits restored to them? Because to me, that's very important. We'll be back after a quick break. Hi, I'm Kent Charnig, and I'm the founder of El Paso County, Colorado Progressive Veterans. Don't worry, we're not crazy tree huggers, but we do have an amazing podcast talking about nothing but the military and veterans. Please check us out, epccpv.org. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Absolutely. That's something that I have been advocating for, that we either invite them to come back if they would choose to do so. And if they choose not to, that we change their them to an honorable discharged. And we also, you know, take we need to take care of our military. You know, right now, a lot of folks don't understand that our active military members are having to depend on food stamps mm-hmm. to feed their children. That is unacceptable. These men and women are fighting on the front lines, defending our freedom. And the last thing they need to be focused on is wondering if their kids have enough to eat at home. We need to make sure we take care of all of our, our military members. And you're absolutely right. When they discharge those those members, un, I believe unlawfully, um, all, because they did not want to take a, uh, a, vac, a, a shot that was an experimental shot, that was proven to be detrimental to folks in the in the age rate of uh, age range of our military is is crazy. So I'm a huge supporter of our military. Great. Well, we appreciate that, and I'm sure the folks up there do. Uh, do you have any military installations that are within CD one? Um, right this second, they have drawn pretty much all of the bases out, but they will be probably um, in the January redrawing the maps because they are unconstitutional. And I will probably get um, Seymour Johnson Air Force mm-hmm. Base back into the district. It was in last last cycle. Um, we are very close to Camp Lejeune, yes. Cherry Point, um, Camp Geiger. We, we've, we have a, a huge military installation oh, yeah. here in North Carolina. We have Fort Bragg. I, oh, I think yeah. I have... That- I have family members that I think have been at just about every single installation. But the thing is, we have a lot of folks that that retire from our military Mm -hmm. and they settle Mm -hmm. here in the first district. And that's why it's also important that we take care of our veterans. You know, I'm a firm believer that our military veterans should be able to seek care when they want care, where they want care and not have to go through the government VA system to ask for permission. That's a great point. And having served 22 years, I appreciate your stance on that. Let's talk about, you know, your comparative analysis with your opponent. Have you guys had any debates? Will there be any debates? No, I don't. I don't think so. He doesn't really get out and do much. Um, But uh, it's a there's a clear contrast. 
You know, he wants to label conservative Republicans as extreme. And really what I think they mean by the word extreme is common sense. <laughs> yeah. We want a, we want a closed, secure border. They want it free-flowing, open, so anyone and everyone can come over. And we haven't got a clue who's coming in or what they're bringing with them. He's okay with killing babies on demand all the way up to the point of birth. And in some instances, allowing them to lay on that stainless steel uh, table uncared uh, un, uh, for. He's totally okay let, in letting them suffer. You know, he is okay with, like I said, sexualizing our kids in school. I'm focused on teaching kids a true education, basic math, basic English, uh, arithmetic, and American history. I mean, and I, I understand what, what causes the inflation. My opponent has no clue. And he doesn't understand what it takes to run a business because he hasn't. So it's, it's very clear. We need change. We need someone who knows how to get the job done. And I am just the person to do it. You know, I, and, and, and I would encourage you, I think one of the things that we as conservatives tend not to do is to go into those minority communities and talk about this, these issues, you know, especially, you know, the life issues. So many people on the Republican side, especially the establishment folks, they say that you can't talk about the life issue. But the life issue is so important in the black community because, you know, over 70 percent of those Planned Parenthood clinics are in the black community. And what has happened in the black community and you have a huge black uh, population there in North Carolina has been a decimation of the uh, the traditional nuclear black family, which has led to many negative aspects. And one of those negative aspects, and I'd like to talk to you about this, is how do you see the crime issue? What is happening in your congressional district with the violent crimes that are out there? Well, we have, unfortunately, weak district attorneys that are not prosecuting. For example, here in, in Nash County, we have a fantastic sheriff but he has to circumvent the DA and go and, and charge these folks federally in order to keep them uh, in jail and convict them on these, these horrific crimes. And we're seeing this all over the, the district. And that's why we're seeing so many sheriff races come, uh, come up that normally were always traditional Democrat or now Republicans because, you know, the minority community sees the crime running rampant. And they want to be able to allow their kids to play outside freely and not worry about them getting uh, shot by gangbangers in a drive-by or, or held up at a, at a grocery store or a convenient mart. They want safe communities. And, you know, this nonsense that my opponent, Nancy Pelosi, and Joe Biden push of defunding the police is absolute craziness. They want safe communities just like everyone else. Okay, so you win this race, you're up there in Washington, D.C. Share with all of our viewers what would be the top three priorities for you going to Washington, D.C.? Well, first, we are going to defund those 87,000 IRS agents that are targeting us Americans. And we're going to actually reallocate those funds to, to put uh, agents on the border so we can secure our border. We are going to focus on American energy and get the Keystone XL pipeline back flowing so we can definitely start uh, uh, curving this crazy inflation and help our supply chain out. We 
also need to make sure we hold those that are that are uh, committing crimes against our against our country accountable, and we need to make sure we send Nancy Pelosi home permanently and remove that gavel from her hand. There you go. Um, how can people follow you? How can people find out more about Sandy Smith and your race to be the next member of Congress from North Carolina's Congressional District Number One? You can go to my website, which is Sandy Smith nc.com you can also find me on all social media platforms um and my handle is sandy smith nc uh we could love anybody's support if they can support us financially that'd be fantastic that helps us get radio ads tv ads and i didn't mention this but my opponent and the democrats know they're in trouble because they've already put two million dollars against me they have spent more against me in this race than almost any other race in the country because they know they're in trouble. They know they do not have anything to run on. If you'd like to, to knock doors, reach out to my camp. Just camp, just send me an email. Or if you are anywhere in the country and you'd like to make phone calls, you can do that as well. Just send us an email. Uh, myself or someone else in my team will get out, get up with you, and we'll get you all set up because together. We're going to make this red wave happen. If we don't come together and we don't show up, it's not going to happen. And that's why it's so crucial for all of these races up and down the ballot that we show up. Well, I just want to thank you for being here on the Steadfast and Law podcast. I got one final question. What committees would you like to be on as a member of Congress? Well, I definitely want to be on the armed services. There you um, go. There you go. Armed services, agriculture, uh, Wayne's and means, you, you know, there's a lot of different committees to look at, but those are two, two important um, and education because I want to make sure our kids are learning American history and learning how to read, write, and also getting the quality education that us taxpayers are paying for. No, without a doubt, you're, you're all over it. And you know what? Strong candidate and, you know, a good, strong constitutional conservative candidate. So please look up Sandy Smith running for North Carolina Congressional District Number 1. And the fact that they're spending $2 million against you and trying to run ads against you, you know, one of the things we used to say in the military, you only take flack when you're over the target. If they were not spending money against you, they would not be concerned about losing that congressional district. So I'm very proud of you stepping up and running again uh, because it takes a lot out of you. But America needs you. North Carolina needs you. And I thank you so very much. So God bless you. And uh, Godspeed, Sandy. Thank you, sir. God bless you. And thank you for everything you do for our country. My pleasure. Steadfast and loyal. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. This segment of the Steadfast and Loyal podcast brought to you by the United States Concealed Carry Association. Being a responsibly armed American is both an honor and a responsibility, and it's not one to be taken lightly. If you own a gun, then you need the self-defense education training and self-defense liability insurance that you get with USCCA membership. Click Learn More below right now to explore your membership options, which are risk-free with the USCCA's Bulletproof Money Back Guarantee. Guys and gals, the U.S. Concealed Carry Association was founded to help responsibly armed Americans like you and I. They are committed to providing life-saving self-defense resources to help you, your family, to be safe. When you activate your membership, you'll automatically get life-saving self-defense education 
industry-leading training plus self-defense liability insurance. Don't wait until it's too late. Click learn more below right now.